Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. Today, we've got another great episode for you. Today, I talked to David Supple, and we are going to dive into design build and kind of the movement that we're seeing. And David has kind of become a student of uh, design build. And so he takes us back to some of these original architects. And we talk about how uh, the actual terms were defined. And then there's kind of this great divide and, uh, and basically end up talking about how do we start solving for this? How do we provide a great experience for the customer? I think you'll find it really interesting. I, I enjoyed the history part of it, but also there's some good actionable things for all of you guys that uh, were kind of in the midst of this. And so uh, educating the consumer and also getting this education into more schools so we can start to maybe solve some of our labor problems. So a lot of good stuff in this episode. Uh, sit back and enjoy episode 69 with David Supple. Hey, David, glad to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you, Spencer. It's a pleasure, man. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, you and I connected a little a little bit ago. We actually were talking about uh, potentially working together, and then we started just talking about this whole design build thing. We said, hey, let's uh, let's have a conversation about it. But uh, before we go down that, that path, maybe you can just give people a little bit of your background, kind of like how you got into construction and then maybe what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. And I appreciate the platform. I admire what you do a lot. So thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. But my background is uh, I went to school for architecture. I have a degree in uh, architecture. I wanted to be an architect. I got out of school. I started practicing as an architect and I realized I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I, uh, I had never built anything in my life. And it, I had my education was very theoretical. And so when it got time to like real, real world, like this plan is going to be go and be executed. It just did not make any sense to me that I was very, I had, you know, no confidence that what I was putting down was going to be successful because I had no, never done it before. Sure. And so at that point, I, um, I need, I was like, I need to fix this. So I, I worked as a carpenter for a while until I felt I had filled that void. And, um, and then I started my own company. So we were always a design build company. And I initially, I would design a project and then build it. And then over time, you know, I've shed hats and uh, have an organization now and we're a team. So there's individuals who have their own, you know, role within the company, but we're a team and we are single source accountability for a client for uh, residential remodeling. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And you, you, I, I don't think you see that too often, except maybe in the last few years, people actually starting as design build and as that, uh, yeah. you know, philosophy has been, I guess, uh, adopted more and more in the last few years. I feel like yeah. most people started either on one side or the other. Yeah. Right? And then, and then in the last little bit, people said, Oh yeah, this is a 
good approach. But uh, I know we have a lot of listeners that maybe are using that approach, but probably a lot that are not as well. So maybe we can just start and kind of define it. Like, how do you see design build? Yeah, I mean, design build is really about setting up a project for success. And to your point of you, you see it's become a more common theme or way to folks are going, but that doesn't mean if somebody calls themselves design build, you need to look a little bit further because it is all about setting up a project for success. You could have a setup where it was a separate architect and a separate builder, but if that architect was thinking with execution the whole time while they're designing and wherever they didn't, they didn't know stuff, a contractor was filling that void in terms of cost and, you know, executability of of plans. That's really the secret of design build. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I have is a knowledge. I've done a ton of research. I'm writing a book on the true history of the architect and the design builder of today is the architect of old. The architect throughout history built the derivation of the word architect is master builder. And there's a huge misconception in society today where, you know, you and I grew up thinking the architect was primarily a designer. It was, you know, it's been made to appear that way. It's been made to appear like these great architects of the past were mainly designers when they were not, they were executors. They oversaw a project from conception to completion. And from that, it only makes sense, right? Like an analogy I give a lot, which is effective is a chef who never cooked in his life. (laughs) Sure. That's that's what I was when I got out of school. I just learned how to write recipes, but I never actually cooked anything in my life. Yeah, never executed, right? (laughs) Yeah, what kind of chef would you be? So, yeah. There's architects out there, the greats, you, you, you talk to them, they know how to build Yeah. and they can think with it and they can, they know what things cost and it's not, and it's not just, you know, their, their job is not just to create something beautiful. So, you know, design build is all about in the design process, setting up a project for success going in the right sequence, not designing this project and only thinking with what the client is going to love aesthetically and the perfect, but you know, cost dude, like if it can't be executed, if it's two right. or three times the, their budget, that's a problem. Yeah. Then it never, it never uh, happens. And then it's that's not right. a success. Unless, yeah. I like how you defined it. Like it's setting it up for success and yeah. defining success. You know, it's got to get completed. You know, so, That's right. Yeah. And that's why you find the uber rich are more known to be the ones who hire architects. Yeah. And that, what I see from that is it's because they have the means to do the project anyway. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, let's, uh, let's go back in time. I know uh, you've been diving into the history. You said you're writing a book oh, and you and I talked about, uh, about this and it was fascinating. So let's start at the beginning, you know, with, uh, what you've been researching in history, like with architects, you yeah. mentioned the term master builder. Right. And then I want to work into, we'll get to it, but kind of why we had this divide, you know, why it, 
why it split. But where, yeah, yeah, where did it all begin? Cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it be, in terms of documented history that we have, you know, there's 6,000 years of recorded history. And if you go about, if you go back and look at from the earliest time of, you know, Babylon and Egyptian times, throughout history, the word to define somebody, there was never a word to describe somebody who only designed. Hmm. Uh, you know, the word has changed over time to define the same thing, which is the overseer or the responsible entity for a building project. Architect is one that goes back to um, Greek, ancient Greek age. And the derivation, if the root of the word literally means master builder. And, uh, you know, our audience is familiar with the, you know, you have an apprentice and then you're a journeyman and then you're a master in the trades that goes, that supplies to many trades. It was the same deal back then. And once you were a master, now you could direct and design and, you know, tell folks how and what to build. And then through the middle ages, uh, you had that word architect go out of use and it was replaced primarily with different words, but master Mason. Hmm. Okay. And if you're ever in Europe, you will understand why, because the shit is all, is all stone. Yeah. So if you built, that was the foundational material. And so that was the trade you came up in. And when you were a master Mason, some of them then turned around and directed these projects. Um, and then you had the Renaissance. The Renaissance was really a return to antiquity because you're coming from Gothic medieval. If you just get a visual of those buildings, that was the style in play. What happened in the Renaissance around 1500s is they just they they found this book called the Ten Books of Architecture by Vitruvius. He was a Roman architect and he had written this book and they they found it and he talked about how to build in that style. And he talked a lot about a lot of things, but um, which I'll get to later. But <laughs> this style was the real push of the Renaissance. It was just getting back to. And so the people of influence, the people with money wanted this style. Sure. And so, but all the architects at that time didn't know how to produce that. The first folks that did were educated scholars because the book was in Latin and most folks didn't speak Latin, only the highly educated. So this is where you first got this connotation of the architect as the designer, because the word came back into use at the same time. And it had this connotation of, of style and design, because it was really focused on like, give me this style. And, um, you know, an example of this is, and this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but when universities started to look for a curriculum of like who's done this before they found uh the french king at the renaissance wanted this style and he had an army of master masons an army of architects but they couldn't build that style that he wanted so he started a school to teach them this style hmm. but they were already builders right so the thing that's missed when the American schools started to look for a curriculum 
is like they they skipped the whole <laughs> fact that they were builders. Yeah, they were masters. <laughs> a little, yeah. This little insignificant point, which is huge, but it's it's a subtle point. I've never heard it talked about. But, uh, the view the view arts in France, like before American schools started to adopt these curriculums, that's where Americans were going. But uh, they missed this point. So anyway, um, the the in a in a nutshell, the history is that the architect always built. It's like sure. you can yeah. go back. It's just been made to appear that that wasn't the case. So as it got transferred over and we started building curriculums and universities and schools, we missed that building piece. So people just developed the design skill set. And then right. because they right. had that knowledge gap, we started to see this divide. Is that kind of what, what happened? Right. And it, it goes further than that. Like, it's a conspiracy. I'm, <laughs> I'm serious because I've read these books. I've sure. read the books that have been commissioned by these universities that are on the history of the architect. They will take a quote from, say, say Vitruvius. Vitruvius, the first chapter, he defines what an architect is. And he says, you need the theory and the practical. And he mm -hmm. defines the practical as manual labor using your hands and the theoretical of artistry and of, of use and knowing what your client needs. And then in the, the 1900s, these books would take that quote and attributed it. They would leave out the manual labor part and they would attribute it to the practical skill of drawing. Like the, that's not what he was saying. It's just not. Yeah. And there's several examples of this where it was made to appear. And that's why you have a society that is below ignorance on the subject. They think it's normal. They think it's always been separated. It's totally normal to have this setup when it couldn't be further, further from the truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's very interesting, but you can see how it happened and what, you know, it sounds like, you know, uh, you said there's a conspiracy behind it. So maybe people said, hey, here's the opportunity, you know, and they they took that and ran with it. But I guess um, what I'd be interested to kind of dive into is now, you know, if we know the history and we know that this design build process is really, a bit, it's the better process, it's the way to achieve that successful outcome, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, remodelers and builders listening that maybe are design build, but then some that aren't, you know, why should somebody, you know, adopt that methodology? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's really just about taking care of the client. Yeah. And, and like, like we talked about is setting up a project for success. And so when we're designing and we're presenting options to a client, a client can be presented with just, you know, space plans and, you know, style boards, design boards, and make decisions based off of that. But if they're doing that, they're inevitably have the possibility to return to that decision once cost is made part of that decision-making process. Totally. And architects today in the majority, because they don't build, don't know what things cost. Even if they do give an idea of what cost, there's no accountability for it. And so it's uh, it's an extremely problematic situation where you have projects that are, you know, go out to bid, you know, they're they're you know, they can't be executed or there there's a 
urge for the client to go for the low bidder mm -hmm. or just kind of sacrifice the coolest parts of the project. It's just not an efficient way to do it. And it's, it's really, it's a win for the client design build. It's a win for the design builder because architects don't like that, you know, or, yeah. you know, and it's not all, it's also, I feel like a lot of the times I'm just bagging on the architect, but it's also about the contractor who's say, just letting the client do the design and like mm -hmm. the client is the designer, but they're not qualified. Yeah. They have no so idea. they're going to make mistakes or they're gonna and and when the project is over the client's gonna have regrets about things they could have done if they had been led by a designer who knew what they were doing yeah no that's that's good stuff and i i like you know it, it all comes back to the client you know and if the client's successful then you're gonna find that success people are gonna be happy with the experience and that helps you you know grow as a company yeah. um we were talking a little bit before before the show started and talking about how these worlds like architecture and then you know building or remodeling they're really starting to collide back again you know as yeah. design builders talk more and more about but i guess what would you say to companies that are just architects now or just remodelers in terms of how do you make the move to, to get to this point where you are yeah. competent in both? Because maybe they were only trained on one side, you know, sure. so they're going, sure. well, how do I do this? How do I bridge the gap? Yeah. I mean, I, I've always, I started off this way, so I don't have a blueprint for, for switching per se, sure. but I mean, I think it starts with an acknowledgement. I mean, if the person, if things are going great and there's no need to, but it's, I'm sure they're not. And yeah. so what I found is even the folks that call themselves builders, and I can think of a bunch and, and they, they are not design build. They call it, they say they're architects. And if you look a little closer, it's a design build model and they're pairing up with an architect or conversely with a contractor, a builder at the beginning of the design phase. And so that client is still, while not the same entity, they have like a pre-construction con, uh, the, the builder has a pre-construction scope to fill the void that the architect is not able to, to fill, which is cost, executability, setting up the resources, you know, the, having, having trade contractors look at specific aspects of a project, huge benefits in all of that. And so... I mean, I'd say first just confront it or or just start raving, like speaking out against it. I want more of that, actually, because I know once that happens, we're making some progress. You yeah, know? for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but then, you know, you know, I think the easiest gradient would be to pair up with a similar philosophical, you know, if you're a contractor, an architect or uh, architect, contractor. And just looking and making sure all the bases are covered and and defining, hey, OK, I'm going to just do the design at these points. Uh, we're going to consult mm -hmm. and, we're, you know, and then so then when we present to a client, we're going to be able to give them the options, you know, that that are executable and, and are what they want. Right. 
Yeah. And yeah, I think, yeah. go ahead. It's just that collaboration. Yeah. I think that's a good point, you know, and, and especially that move there where you don't necessarily need to make the leap to hire somebody. Cause that may be, you know, somebody's like, oh, well, I'm not in a position to bring in somebody with that expertise. I can't afford yeah. their salary, but you can just, Hey, here's a company. I find a company in my area that believes in this concept of having both sides connected and then just making sure that when either person has an opportunity, they're pulling the other one in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, or, I yeah, love that. yeah. One could hire the other as a consultant. Yeah, yeah, just figure out a fair price for that. Yeah, no, that's that's great advice. Do you want more out of your social media efforts? Do you find these channels to be a huge time sink? Right now, we're running a crazy special on our social media program for remodelers. Just head over to remodelersocialmedia.com and enter the code New Year. Now, we're only running this special through the end of 2019. So take advantage of it while it's here. Again, that's remodelersocialmedia.com. Enter the code new year. In addition, as a special thank you for being a listener to the podcast, we've got some special bonuses for you. So just text radio to 33777. Again, that's radio to 33777. So let's move and start talking about uh, the sales process and how do you... Um, talk about this with the end client? How do you educate them? Because I would imagine, like you said, there's a lot of ignorance on their end. They're going, either they've got the means. And so they're going, I'm going to find an architect first yeah. um, or, or they don't, and they're going to hire a builder, but then they're maybe going to be in some headaches later and wishing that they had somebody that right. had design. So how right. do you approach it when you're talking to clients and, you know, trying to educate them and pull their knowledge up? Yeah. I mean, a great client for us is one that is not naive. That's been through it before. Mm-hmm. That's either, you know, just hired a contractor or just hired an architect. Inevitably, I find these folks are like looking for something different or better. But, you know, one thing is I put out a lot of content. So I do, I'm talking about this subject a lot and I'm educating folks about it. And then straight up, the ideal client for us is someone who is looking for an architect and who, you know, has the means to do a significant project design is important to them. They, they want to make sure it, they don't have regrets afterwards. I want that person to find us. So the, our positioning and our, uh, you know, what we present is very similar to one, what one might be think is like just an architecture firm, but then those folks are see that we build as well. And it's just simpler for them. And so even though these really affluent people who can do the project anyway, if you were to ask them, well, which way would you, would you prefer? Would you prefer just to do the design and then find out at the end, it's twice what you were figuring to spend, <laughs> or would sure. you rather have that information like as you're going along and making decisions, they're going to pick the latter. Yeah. It's a no brainer. Yeah. So it's, I love that proposition when the client is looking to hire an architect and finds us because I'm, I know, I know I am a solution. I know I provide what that architect provides plus some. Right. And, and, but that's the thing where once you get to the higher end work, you do need to bring the design skills Mm -hmm. because that client, what's most important to that client 
is an amazing project. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're not on that level design skill wise as the architects, it's it's and that's where that I think a lot of that higher end work is done on a collaborative uh, basis. Yeah, that makes sense. And so if you would you say it's easier for architects to transition to that because they typically are already pulling in the higher end clients or do you think it doesn't really matter? I do think so. Yeah. I would love for architects to go back to the root of the word. That's really my, my initial purpose was that I, I, I think it might be too late. <laughs> like, cause there's this new word now it's design build. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look in a dictionary, the architect is now a designer. Whereas a hundred years ago, the definition was different. Yeah. So now we've got a new word that's kind of replaced yeah. uh, what architect used to be. Right. Yeah. But that makes sense. You know, just thinking to the future and, and we were talking earlier about the education of our trade and craftsmen. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the education of an architect today, it needs to change and it is changing. There's over a hundred design build curriculums now in architecture universities. And it's starting off as more of a token semester project, but over time, what's going to happen is that is going to be the, the top, you know, the top of the funnel, if you will, or umbrella. And then that's going to be the major curriculum. And then you can specialize in design or you can specialize in construction management. That makes sense. Yeah. And so I know you, you're doing some things online in terms of trying to push content out and educate people and, I guess, what's your vision for the, the design build movement? I know you said it's getting into curriculums, but do you have kind of this yeah. like, hey, here's I, where we really want to get to? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the universities and the education is a big one for me. I do see that. But initially, target number one is just making the consumer aware of it because yeah. the consumer is going to drive the demand for the change. And the consumer, by and large, is not aware of design build at this point. Yeah. And that's real. In the industry, folks know what it is. But outside of the industry, the majority do not. Even though people love HGTV, that is all design build. Yeah. You know, Fixer Upper Property Brothers, even This Old House, you know, all these shows are actually design build. People just don't even know it. And... Once they do start recognizing it, they already like it. It's a natural, it's the natural approach that to have it split is not natural. And it was forced by laws and all this other stuff. And so it's a natural inclination to go back to it. I'm just trying to speed it up by making people aware of what it is. And then once that occurs, then the institutions are going to change. Then the establishments are going to change because they have to. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And I can see that impacting a lot of things in a positive way. I mean, you educate the consumer drives the demand drives, you know, the, um, you know, the curriculums and what's being taught, but then, uh, then that hopefully fuels, you know, more of, you know, more younger generations moving into those types of classes and taking those, you know, because that's obviously a big problem right now too. Totally. Like I'm, in, I'm a perfect example. I had no idea. <laughs> like yeah. I went, I was going to school 
to do the thing that I'm doing now. And I got out of school and I was deficient in my ability to do it. And I, and that's where I say, if you are just that architect or that contractor and doing that as a, in a silo, the first thing you need to confront is, am I really servicing the client as well as I could? Because I think what's the way it's set up is to not be that way. And it's also set up to be adversarial between those two professions. And you can go on pretending like that is totally normal and the way it's always been. But the truth is it hasn't been. Yeah. And, you know, so let's, <laughs> I, I just, I just didn't want to pretend, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, David, this has been, been good stuff. I want to let, uh, let people connect into the movement and, and that sort of thing. So for everybody listening that maybe wants to get involved or just participate in more discussions around this, you know, where's a good place to uh, either connect with you yeah. personally or what you're doing? Thank you. The, the, it's called the Design Build Movement, Instagram, Facebook. If you just type in Design Build Movement, uh, would love to hear from you comment, collaborate. I do post examples of uh, colleagues work as an example of design build because, you know, a picture says a thousand words. And um, so really doing a great job as design builders. And I know this is an audience that is a lot of what I'm saying resonates. Mm-hmm you know, us setting a great example is the first step. And this is really a forum for that. So would love to, um, let, would love help in pushing this message and making the consumer aware. Yeah, very cool. And we'll make sure to put those links in our show notes so people can get to the Facebook page and join that and, and Instagram, make it easy. Um, so before I let you go, we've got a one last uh, segment of our show. We call it the Fast Five. So it's kind of rapid fire questions. I'll hit you with a few of those and uh, we'll wrap things up here. So uh, awesome. first question is, uh, what is your favorite business book and why? My favorite business book is uh, be, a, be Obsessed or Be Average by Grant Cardone. And just because his mindset is totally not normal. And I feel like that's very true in terms of to be great, you have to be different. If you do what everyone else is doing, you're going to, you're not going to achieve greatness and you're not going to excel at the level because there's a bit of a complacency and, um, uh, you know, there's just that book really just goes against the status quo. And I like that. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I've been following Grant a lot more recently and yeah, he's got some good, good stuff. And yeah, the mindset there is just off the charts. And so, yeah, yeah that's a good, I'll have to, I haven't read that book, so I'll, I'll put that yeah, on my list. But The uh, audios are awesome for with him. Oh, cool. Cool. Um, all right. So who is the most inspirational person in your life? Oh man, I'd say my wife, you know, she beats me up a lot and <laughs> she keeps me on my, my toes. She's uh, she's a competitor. So she, uh, she really doesn't let me uh, just, you know, do well in one area of life. You know, I can't just work all day. I also have to excel as a father and a husband and, and uh, with my church and other areas of life. That's awesome. 
Very cool. Um, all right. If you could have one superpower, what would that be? Oh, man. I'll just be Superman. <laughs> be Superman. I don't know. That's not one superpower. So I'd say yeah. fly. Flying. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, describe yourself in three words. Man, three words. Uh, mm, I am crazy. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good creative way to get, get the three in. Um, all right. Last question is if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? Yeah. I mean, just confront the area and, you know, this design build, the thing I feel like I can bring to audience is the educational piece because you can't get away from the truth of our history and design build is just a return to the way it's been throughout history. And that in terms of going back to the sales pitch and what have you, that in itself resonates with people because the truth resonates with people and it's simple and it's a natural approach and the grace throughout history, uh, I, you know, that have, have, that's what they did. And so it's just, it's just the truth, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just simple. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. Um, Well, David, good stuff today. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you, Spencer. Yeah. All right. uh, Yeah, no worries. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, brother. Thank you. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with David. Uh, Like I said at the beginning, I thought the history was really fascinating and kind of how we had this split in kind of the architect and the builder and why we are in kind of the situation we're in now. But I think he makes some good points about really the design build model uh, in terms of the terminology we're using today gives the best output for the client. So a couple of action items. I know you guys are on the go. You're at the gym, you're in your truck. So uh, first one is definitely join uh, the Facebook page, uh, follow the Instagram uh, page that he's got going for the design build movement. I find that uh, interacting with other people all over the country, asking questions as you're making this transition There's uh, ways that you can shortcut your success by learning from others. And even if you're already embraced or embracing the design build movement, there's always more that you can learn from others and you can see little tweaks and uh, kind of the nuances of that process and what other people are doing. So a big believer in community and sharing and learning from others. So that's action item number one. Um, Action item number two is see if you can make the transition. So if you're not uh, currently using the design build model and you are an architect or you are a modeler or you are a builder, um, do a little bit of research in your local uh, area to see if you can find somebody that can maybe you can partner with to fill the void. Um, I think it makes sense in a lot of instances and you don't necessarily have to make the leap to hire somebody if you're not in a position to do that and start building those skill sets into your organization or at least into the end result that you can deliver for a client. So I think those are two great action items that I came up with out of today's conversation. And thank you again for listening. Um, We're really building a great community here at Builder Funnel Radio. We're getting lots of interaction, good questions. Um, And if you'll do me a favor, I would really appreciate you guys leaving a review, sharing this with a friend uh, and kind of spreading the word again. I'm a big believer in learning from others and that's why we're trying to build this community here. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.
Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.